whenever the living beings give glory and honor and thanks to the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. The 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. They exist because you created what you pleased. Father, we come to you today and we, we seek to give you glory. We seek to give you honor. We seek to turn back every reward and every gift to you because we know that we are unworthy. But you are worthy. You are holy. You are the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And we just want to praise you and thank you for your goodness to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our scripture text this morning is in Luke chapter 2. We'll be reading from verse 25 to 35. As you're turning there, let's set the stage. Christmas is over. It's happened a few days ago. We're moving on. Now, the children in the audience, how many, how many of you can tell us how many days it's been since Christmas? Can anybody in here tell us how many days it's been since Christmas? How many? Who knows? <laughs> Two years, three years. It seems forever. Now, it's interesting um, that if um, I had asked two weeks ago, children, how many days until Christmas... I think a number of hands would have shot up and they could have all given me the correct answer of how many days till Christmas. But afterwards, we kind of celebrate Christmas and we move on. Well, in our story today, it's eight days after Christmas. The whole manger, the shepherds in the field, all that stuff, it's eight days ago. And so at this point, yes, there's been a lot of miraculous things, but stuff's happening. Life is moving on as normal. They're having to get back into the normal routine of things. Jesus needs to be fed, and his diaper needs to be changed, and Joseph's got to go to work, and all the normal stuff that has to happen in life. They're moving on with, with life. Yes, they have this miracle child. But it's time to kind of, you know, you have that point when you kind of have to move on from the special events and you try to hold on to it in your heart, but you're moving back into your normal routine. And so one of those routines was that the law had commanded that every firstborn son had to be taken to the temple and there was a, a sacrifice given to God uh, for that and there was multiple options and Mary and Joseph was poor. They were poor, so they, they had the poor option, uh, but they, they fulfilled the law. And so they were just going on their way on the eighth day in which Jesus was circumcised and his name would formally be given on that day. Uh, they named him Jesus, just as the angel had told them his name was going to be. And they headed on their way uh, to the temple. And so that's kind of the setting for our scripture today. And if you would please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 2, verse 25 to 35. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. 
He was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. And so that day the Spirit led him into the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary, the baby's mother, This child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your words which record this very short incident, but yet very uh, impactful incident in the life of Simeon, the high point of his life. We pray from his example and the example of your word that we would learn, God, how to live this life for your son Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I thought about this morning playing a little game, a little game called Simon Says. Uh, I don't think I have to play it for you to actually understand it. Most of us all know this game. We've, we've played it as children or with children. And it's very interesting, the game Simon Says. Somebody gets to be Simon, and usually there's a lot of arguing over who gets to be Simon, but somebody gets to be Simon, and once that's settled, Whatever Simon says, you have to do. For example, if I say, Simon says, look at the preacher. Oh, most of you are doing so well. A few of you, you need to work on it. But, hey, you're, you're playing the game well. But, uh, and, and, you know, and if I said, now look down at the pew, oh, Simon didn't say. You know, then you'd be in trouble because you look down at the pew and Simon didn't say. And it's so interesting that we might fight over who gets to be Simon. But once that's settled on whatever Simon says, it goes. You have to do what Simon says. But if that same person who, who isn't uh, Simon, if they, if they just say it without being Simon saying it, you can ignore it. You should ignore it. That's fine. Well, it's interesting um, to me, there's some parallels there when we come to church. Um, a pastor or a preacher or a Bible teacher, we're, we're ordinary people just like anybody else. But when we are actually communicating God's word, it's not Simon says, but it's God says when we're not telling a funny story about ourselves, which is fine, but when we're saying that part of, here's exactly what the Lord says, at that point, it's like Simon says, and we really ought to listen uh, to Bible teachers and preachers as long as they're staying with God's word. We know that it has authority in what they're saying because of the source. Well, here we come across a guy named Simeon, and so today we're, our message is titled, Simeon Says... And I want to say that we should listen to what Simeon says because of his authority. Now, if you look in this, um, 
in the passage, you see where his authority comes from. First of all, it talks about him being a righteous man. So number one, he's a, he's a good guy. He loves God, and, and he's not going to intentionally tell a lie. But on top of him being a righteous man who was looking forward to the coming of God, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Holy Spirit led him to the temple that day. And so whatever Simon says didn't happen by accident. It wasn't just merely human action or human words, but it was God inspired and directed. And so we should listen to what Simeon would say to us, how he would direct us through this passage. And I want us to think of, of three things, three truths that we need to understand and we can learn from the life of Simeon. And this is all we know about him in these 10 little verses right here. It's all the Bible has to say about Simeon. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make three points or six points, however you might categorize it. I'm going to make three points of here's a truth, but then after each point, I'm going to give you an action to go along with that truth. So that's the Simeon says. So just like in Simon says, if I said, if, if Simon says, water is tasty, well, you would just sit there and stare at me. That would be good, you know, truthful knowledge. But if I just said, water is tasty or water is refreshing, you wouldn't have anything to do. But if I said, then I said, Simon says, go drink a cup of water, then you would know what Simon wanted you to do. And so we're going to say some truths, but then we're going to say what Simeon says to do about those truths. Number one, the payoff for God's promises comes with patience. That's long, so I'll repeat it. The payoff for God's promises comes through patience. We have a man here, Simeon, who had been told by God decades and decades before, hey, Simeon, guess what? Before you die one day, you are going to see the coming Messiah. And I can imagine, let's just say he got that promise when he was 25 years old. And he's like, wow, what a cool life I'm going to have. I'm about to see the Messiah. And he makes it to 30. Well, it hadn't happened yet, but I'm still young. And he makes it another decade and another decade. And it's like, whew, I'm kind of pushing upper middle age here, Lord. A am, I, am I ever going to see this Messiah? But he keeps holding on and he keeps believing and apparently, he's basically at the end of his life. You get the, you get the, uh, the idea here. You get the impression. Have, have you ever noticed people who are only hanging on to their life just through their will? I mean, they're just not quite ready to go yet. And then as soon as they can finally go, but they've got one thing, something they haven't seen or said or that they want to do. And so they're holding on. And Simeon is like this here. Because the moment that he finally sees the Messiah, he praises God and he says, Hey, God, you can let me go in peace now. You can let me go. I've said whatever needed to be said. I've done whatever needed to be done. And most importantly, God, you have done what you promised you would do. And God, I can go in peace now. Anytime you want to let me go, I'm fine to go because... God, you have let me see the coming Messiah with my own eyes. So the payoff for God's promises comes with patience. That is, God has made promises to us, but we don't get the payoff. We don't get the result. We don't get the blessing unless we're patient enough to wait for God to fulfill that promise in our life. Some of us are like, well, you know, God told me this and it had never happened. Well, guess what? Are you still living and breathing? 
then maybe that promise is still to occur in the future. And in fact, perhaps sometimes his promises will be uh, in, our, in the afterlife. Just because God hasn't fulfilled a promise to you yet doesn't mean it's over. But you're going to miss it. You see, if he was not still looking for the Lord and listening, then that day when the Holy Spirit prompted him and said, Simeon, you go into the temple, I got something special for you. If he'd already hardened his heart and he'd say, it's never going to happen. Why bother? I'm just, I'm just making this up. I'm just imagining it. I, I'm not really supposed to go to the temple. That whole stuff I used to believe in, that was years ago, and it never came true. But that's not what Simeon did. He never let age, he never let length of years harden him and make him skeptical. He still believed and trusted in the same God who many years ago had said, I've got a promise for you. You are going to see the Messiah. So here's what Simeon says. Trust in God's timing. Trust in God's timing. So many things in life we pray for, and we've prayed for, and we feel like the Lord's heard us, but the thing that we want to happen is not happening right now. And what Simeon would say to us is trust in God's timing. He is going to act in his perfect time, not in your wishful thinking, not in your big plan, because you're not God, and he is. And he knows when he needs to act and what he needs to do. So Simeon says trust in God's timing. The second principle that we can see from this passage about Simeon is that your decision about Jesus determines your destiny. Your decision about Jesus determines your destiny. Simeon starts off just praising God. God, you've shown me what, I, what you promised. You know, I, I can die in peace now. Everything's okay. Your salvation, which you've prepared for the world, uh, here it is. And then he kind of stops his prayer, and then he, he looks at Mary and Joseph. And he says some very interesting words. He says, this child is destined to, be caused, to cause many in Israel to fall and many others to rise. He's been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. Now, isn't this interesting here? Basically, he says that Jesus, Jesus is the fork in the road of every life. Every single one of us has to face that fork in the road and decide what we will do with Jesus. And how we decide, how we choose, we'll either fall or rise. Uh, we'll either go on to eternal life or an eternity away from God. We'll, even, we'll either go on to a life full of God's ways or a life absent of his blessings. Every life, every one of us has to choose what will we do with Jesus. And this is everybody. Simeon says, look, he's, he's for the Jews He's their glory. He's for the Gentiles, the nations. Uh, he's so that, that they can see the light. There is not a single person that God has says, no, you don't have an opportunity. You're on the outs already. The Bible here says, like it says in so many places, that salvation is offered to every single person. It's open to you, however old you are, whoever you are, but what you do with Jesus, how you decide, there's the fork in the road. 
all of us have to decide, and not only that initial decision, but honestly, every single day, even if you've already trusted in Christ, you have a decision to make, a fork in the road of, will I live for him today, or will I live for myself today? That decision, that fork in the road, confronts every single one of us every single day, and we have to choose how will I live, for myself, for my own selfish sake, from what the world tells me to live, or will I live the way God tells me to live? Will I live following Jesus? And so what does Simeon say? Simeon would say to us, go all in for Jesus. Go all in for Jesus. He was the kind of guy, Simeon, who kept on believing. Can you imagine if Simeon happened to share with some of his family or friends what they thought of him? Simeon says, guys, I've got great news. What is it, Simeon? Did you get raised? Did, did you meet a cute girl? I mean, what's going on, Simeon? No, even better than those things. I, I have been told I'm going to see the Messiah. And they're like, Simeon, come on. It's been 400 years since the last prophet the, the, the canon of, of Hebrew scripture is closed. You know, yeah, there was a lot of stuff about this coming Messiah way back when, but we haven't heard anything about that from God for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now you, simple old Simeon, you're going to be the one to see the Messiah. <laughs> Come on, Simeon. And maybe behind his back, they, they said, ah. Oh, that's Simeon. He's so trusting. He's so naive. But he'll get over this whole thing. He'll, he'll figure it out, and he'll come to his senses. And yet, by their way of thinking, he did not come to his senses. Because 5 and 10 and 15 years later, he was still trusting, and he was still believing. You see, he realized that for him to trust for a little while and then to quit trust meant all that trust and all that faith and all that previous obedience would have been in vain. And Simeon said, I'm all in. I'm in for everything. I'm going to keep on trusting and believing in God. And even if people look at me the way they did at Noah and they mock and they say, why are you building that boat? Or they tell me, why are you believing in that Messiah that we haven't heard about in hundreds and hundreds of years? I'm still going to keep on believing and trusting. And Simeon went all in. And I believe that he would tell all of us today to go all in with Jesus, not to, to dip our toes in the water and see how this whole Christianity thing fits with our families and our society and our world, but to go all the way to be fully committed to Jesus Christ. Go all in for Jesus, Simeon would tell us. The third and final uh, principle from the Simeon and his words here, and I think this is really, really important that we understand, is that faith does not save us from suffering. Faith does not save us from suffering. When we have the wrong idea about suffering and faith in our life, we double all of our problems. To illustrate this, let me take it out of the realm of faith. Let's talk about money. If you've ever heard Dave Ramsey, maybe you have a spouse who says, Dave Ramsey says, and you're like, I don't care what Dave Ramsey says, but, you know, uh, but whether or not you, you believe in him, this thing I, I think he's got right. He says this, Dave Ramsey says that most of us, most in our society, 
don't even have enough savings to be ready for just a mild emergency. And he says, this is what happens. So the next time the car breaks down, it's not just a car emergency, it's a money emergency. Or next time we have an illness, it's not just a health emergency. On top of that, it's a money emergency. You get where this is going. All the other emergencies that come up, instead of it just being health or a car or whatever, on top of it, it's a money emergency also. Well, this is what kind of happens to Christians who've bought into the wrong doctrine. And it is out there everywhere in this world and, and it's somehow people just pick it up, and here's the wrong thinking that causes them to have double uh, emergencies in their life. The wrong thinking is, if I really trust Jesus, if I really follow him, then he's going to shelter me from the pain of this life. I've done for him, and so he's going to protect me from And how do I know this is true? Not only because it comes up in my own thinking, but because as a pastor, countless times I've had people come up to me and say, Brother Tim, I don't know why this is happening because I've done, and then they say X, Y, Z, whatever it is. I've served as a Sunday school teacher, or I've given faithfully, or I've, and and what they're saying is, without saying it, they're basically saying, I've done this stuff for God, and so he should have protected me from pain. He shouldn't have allowed me to go through this difficulty or hardship in my life because I've done so much for him. He owes it to me to exempt me from the pain and suffering of this life. Imagine how terrible it is. And I've seen this over and over again. When problems and suffering do come into the lives of people who believe that. Because see, again, once again, it's not just an issue that they have a relationship problem. They also have a spiritual problem because they're let down and disappointed in God because he was supposed to save them and exempt them from those kind of problems. It's not just a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. It's not just a job problem. It's a spiritual problem. And all their problems are doubled and compounded because not only the junk that they're going through in life, but on top of that, they feel like God has let them down and deceived them. Because they've believed something that God never said. And that is they have believed that God will shelter you from all pain and suffering in his life. And he never said it. In fact, listen, remember, this is not just the prayer to the whole world. This is specifically what Simeon was saying to Mary and Joseph uh, in, in the last part. And I just picture him staring especially into the eyes of Mary. And he says, as a result, the deepest thoughts of many and Many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very soul. Is Jesus coming to save us from our sin? Absolutely. Is he coming to be a light unto the world so that we may know God? Absolutely. But does that mean we will not suffer if we believe in him? Absolutely not. In fact, there are many times in life where we, were, we will suffer because we are Christians. Jesus tells us in this life we will have many sorrows and many troubles. The promise of God's word is that not that we will not suffer. The promise of God's word is that we will not be alone in suffering. The promise is that he will be there for us through that valley of the shadow of death, through that trial, through that sickness, through that heartache, 
Jesus will be there for us and with us. And because he was a man made just like us, he understands everything that we go through, all of our sorrows and heartaches and troubles. And so we are never alone. That is the promise of God. But it's never a promise that will avoid and skip over pain in this life. And the final thing I believe that if Simeon was here today, that Simeon would say to us, he would say, prepare for pain. Prepare for pain. Now, I'm not talking about an Eeyore type of attitude where we're down in the dumps and we're always, you know, thinking about what bad things are about to happen. I'm saying that we have a mentality and a mindset and really a worldview that allows us to understand that God can completely love me and be pleased in me, and yet at the same time, I can go through a gut-wrenching situation in my life. And that does not mean he's displeased with me. That does not mean he has failed me. That is simply a reality of living in a fallen world. There is a day when he will remove all that, and that's called heaven. We fundamentally, we, we think things are wrong and messed up because they are wrong and messed up. We don't live in the world that God designed and created as he created. We live in the world that he designed and created, and then we messed up through sin. The Bible says, even this earth groans, waiting its redemption. That is, one day when God renews this earth, we'll live in a life, in a place where things are the way they were supposed to be. But until that day, when Jesus comes again, until that time, we will continue to live live out our lives in an imperfect world, and suffering and sorrow and hardship will come. So I believe Simeon would tell us, prepare for pain. Don't focus on it. Don't let it get you down. Live your life in faith and looking for Jesus and what he's going to do. But understand that along the way on that path and pilgrimage towards heaven, that pain and suffering will enter our hearts and pierce our souls, even the most devout believers. We will go through difficulties in life. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love us. If we're believers, we understand he's with us through those hardest of times, and he will never leave us, and he will never abandon us. So this morning, I want to encourage you more faithfully than you ever followed what Simon said. Follow what Simeon says. Trust in his timing. Go all in for Jesus. And prepare yourself for the reality that pain is coming. But also remind yourself that God will be with you to see you through it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you and God, we understand that um, the world we live in, God, every single day we could get so depressed if we just looked at the packet and if we looked at Fox News or CNN or anything else that looked at Facebook. There are so many opportunities for us to get disgruntled and disappointed and discouraged because there's bad stuff all over the place. But God, the good news is greater than all the bad. The good news that you've given us through Jesus Christ, your son, that a Messiah has come, that he was born and he lived a perfect life 
And he died as a sacrificial lamb for our sins. And so now we can live through his resurrection power. Even in our imperfection, God, we can submit ourselves to your spirit and allow you to lead us in a way that honors you. And God, I pray that's exactly what we do this morning. Father, be with us now during this invitation to discipleship as we're invited to respond to your speaking to our hearts. Let us be like Simon, who when he heard the prompting of the Spirit, did not go home, did not veer away, but headed straight toward where you wanted him to go. Lord, may we be just that obedient. Father, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.